0: you're listening to object of sound from sonos the show where we bring you in tune with the music that shapes our culture when music lives in the air it's one thing but when you know the undercurrents and the ideas that went into a song when you can feel its weight it becomes more meaningful. I'm Hanif Abdurraqib, a poet and culture critic, and I'll be your guide as we seek a deeper way of listening. Big In 2018, I was at the Eau Claire's Festival in Wisconsin. And I remember standing and listening to the band Big Red Machine, which is made up of Aaron Dessner from The National and Justin Vernon from Bon Iver. I had heard Big Red Machine before, but I'd never seen them live. Where you are,
1: you Where you are, you
0: and I just remember watching Big Red Machine play as though they were unrehearsed and just kind of feeling each other out and just building these small bridges toward each other with each movement and each sound. And that was kind of the spirit of the Eau Claire's Festival, which unsurprisingly was founded by Aaron and Justin a few years earlier. At Eau Claire's, artists get there about a week early and they put their heads together with other artists and they collaborate, not necessarily always writing a new song and playing it, but sometimes remixing an existing song or playing a set of covers together or in my case, I read while Julian Baker played the song Claws in Your Back. How Graham Parsons sat underneath a dark sky in Joshua Tree when he was 26. And how he had been clean for months but wanted to see the stars puff up the round cheeks over the sand, which at that hour must have looked like pearls. And how I do not need to tell you that he did not survive the night. The really special thing about Eau Claire's is that it's also so spontaneous, so you can be kind of drifting through this massive field. And someone who's maybe seen you on stage will see you and point you out like, hey, come play with me or just come and read anything while I play. And that was so new to me and also so freeing to me. This idea of we'll figure it out as we go along actually can present a type of gentleness and a type of clarity and a type of rigorousness that Perhaps writing alone or making music alone doesn't always afford itself. And I hear this type of freedom of collaboration shine through also on the latest album from Big Red Machine. How long do you think it's going to last? Is it
1: far When you fell? Was it hard? Can you tell me Magno? Can you tell me?
0: Collaboration at its best, I think, is everyone attempting to get the best out of everyone. And I say best and don't necessarily mean a finished product. I mean the highest form of freedom that can come with music making. So today on the show, I'm excited to bring on Aaron Dessner, who is at this point one of the great collaborators of our time. He's worked, of course, with his twin brother Bryce in The National, and he's also worked with Kanye West and Sharon Van Etten and. Notably, his work with Taylor Swift with the Grammy Award-winning album Folklore, and also Evermore, which was released in the same year. I also want to note that Aaron is an Ohioan, even though he is currently based in New York. His latest album with Justin Vernon, As Big Red Machine, How Long Do You Think It's Going to Last, was just released in August. And today, we're going to spend some time talking about collaboration and how the spirit of collaboration has changed through the pandemic. And then I'm going to guide you through a playlist of some of my favorite collaborative tracks that Aaron has participated in. You can hear that playlist on mixcloudcom sonos, and we'll leave a link to it in the show notes. And to close the show, I will bid you all farewell for this season and hopefully express adequate gratitude for you hanging around with us for another go-round on Objective Sound. doing good how are you good good forgive me I'm in a closet uh, that's awesome <laughs> I'm on a, I'm on the road and not in my usual recording space so you've caught me uh, in the, in the closet so I was I was lucky enough to be a performer at I believe what was the last Eau Claire's festival oh, uh, wow. and yeah. what fascinated and impressed me and everything about that festival was that it was kind of built very much in the image of its creators in terms of how much it prioritized collaboration and kind of freedom for artists to fall into each other and make something happen out of that and a kind of spontaneity, you know, in an improvisational spirit. I won't do the big pressure ask of if Eau Claire's come back and win, but I'm more kind of interested in what the impetus for it was. What was. What were the beginning points for it? And how did you get so many people to to buy into to such a great but somewhat challenging idea? I don't think collaboration comes as easily, everyone. Thanks so much. I mean, that, that's amazing. You were there.
1: Um, I mean, first of all, the collaboration for me, I think it's such a natural state because I, you know, have a twin brother who also plays music, and we grew up in the same room and we were 18, we shared a room and we just basically did everything together. So it's very natural for me to write music and bounce off other, you know, like someone else. It's more natural for me to do that than to sit by myself, I guess. Although I also like do that a lot as well. But I think originally the impetus for wanting to create Eau Claire, it kind of came from other experiences that we had had. You know, Eau Claire is just a, small sort of regional city in Western Wisconsin, but it's like got a real hotbed of musical people there. The main goal was to get people to step outside of their lane somehow, or to not just do the thing that they're doing the night before in Milwaukee or the night after in Denver or wherever they're going, because that is what touring musicians do. So that's why we, I think have been kind of addicted to, to pushing these opportunities to encourage collaboration and invite other people in and learn from
0: them, that's the easiest way to grow. Well, I guess I could have said this earlier right off the gate, but I really love the Big Red Machine record.
1: Yeah, the bell tolls noon on 12th and Vine And I still need this over time Cause I'm over myself, over the hill, I'm over the Rhine
0: it's a record that feels and sounds like there was a lot of growth that took place, particularly on your end and your creative end. I mean, on the new single, you're singing and you're kind of out in front a bit. And it's, um, I'm mostly wondering how you continue to push yourself when you have made a lot of music. What delightfully surprised me about the Big Red Machine record was that it felt like you were still kind of turning new corners As impressive as it is, I'm I'm always like, gosh, like don't don't you ever get exhausted with kind of tinkering and finding the new thing?
1: Yeah, so that is a bad metaphor, but sometimes you have to burn the forest down, uh, you know, like creatively, where it's like Big Red Machine is more joyful and more loose, and the paint's still wet. But it is, I think, interesting that there's like 13 different singers and 29 musicians, and somehow it hangs together. but it was for me, it was yeah, it was important to try to find my voice. It's weird at 45, you know, to like suddenly, oh, I can sing. And then Taylor and Justin and some other people that are on the record were just really encouraging and sort of saying, like, don't hide your voice. Like your voice is, you know, beautiful and just sing, you know. So I so I did. Take me high, lay me low.
0: So this season, I talked to a lot of folks about collaborations. Maybe no one as prolific in collaboration as you are. But one thing that I maybe haven't really got into the weeds on, like really gotten granular on, is how the state of collaboration has changed. And it does feel like, even for me, people I work with, I feel so distanced from them. I'm working with people who I haven't seen, like physically, ever. Not like in a while, like literally ever. And yet, I think there's a way that the work still maintains an intimacy for me. And so I'm I'm wondering if you have any insights on how the state of collaboration musically has changed for you, if the work has remained emotionally rigorous and thoughtful, and and how you've maintained this pace, particularly during a time when uh, it's hard to maintain anything. For some artists or a lot of artists, I think
1: in a way there's been more time to be quietly creative. So I've found during the pandemic, the music world, the touring industry just ground to a complete halt. Now it's started back up again, but for 18 months it, it stopped. And so for someone like me, I suddenly had a lot more time and space in my life to be creative Because I have a studio at home, it was easy. And I'm staring out at nature. I was lucky because I could just come out here and make stuff. And I was in this little cocoon at the time with Taylor Swift making those records, Folklore and Evermore, and then after that, Big Red Machine. But it is hard to sustain the pace. I'm still making music, but I definitely feel the need to, like,
0: fill the tank somehow. It was so fascinating to me post those Taylor Swift records to see, you know, like, before that, you're you're a well-known musician, you're, uh-huh. not just to like folks in Ohio. I mean, like literally, literally everywhere. You're a well-known musician. But it was so fascinating, even knowing that post Taylor Swift records, to see people either rediscovering your work or discovering your work in a new way. Has that uh-huh. been at all overwhelming for you? Has it been kind of like uh, a new rush coming from a new side, perhaps, of people wanting to work with you or people wanting a type of interest or investment in what you what you are capable of.
1: Well, definitely there's been like Taylor has such a huge and passionate, devoted fan base and that we went as deep as we went. Of course, a lot of her fans are interested and aware of what I'm doing. But I think the good thing is we weren't compromising in any way. We just literally made what we felt like making. I didn't feel like I put on a different hat at all. I felt like we were just being very sincere and kind of like artful with each other. So what I mean to say is like, I I feel like I'm still the same
0: yeah.
1: musician. And if it helps more people listen to something else I do, that's amazing. If I meet someone special that I get to work with because of it, that's also amazing. But generally, I just kind of feel like even now, I feel like after we hang up this call, I don't know if I'll make anything good today. You know what I mean? And that's kind of how you feel. Yeah. You know, and then suddenly you do, and you're like, "Whoa, that was that's great!" But like, you can't predict when the magic will come, and it just so happened that we were able to do that. But it's hard to replicate. That's
0: such an interesting quote, and I think all the time when I ever finish a book, and it comes out. My first thought and feeling is, I can't believe I did that. And then instantly, my next <laughs> feeling is, I can't believe I have to do that again. Like yeah. at some point, or not even have to, but I can't believe I will be driven to want to do that again. Totally. Right? And so it's easier for me to find pleasure in process, but it's a little bit harder to find pleasure in that in between mode that you kind of just mentioned the anxiety of, like, well, I don't know if I'm going to make anything good today, but I still have to. Uh-huh. Uh, how do you get over that hump of, don't know, still have to, or again, like reframing have to from I'm still driven to, or I still am compelled to.
1: I think it's a really hard thing. And what you say about your writing, it's like, that's how I feel the day after a record comes out. You kind of have this rush of adrenaline and affirmation, but then this low of sort of like, I'm never going to climb that mountain again, <laughs> or I can't, I think I used all my <laughs> my cards, you know, or my, made my moves. Um, sometimes I get a little depressed to be honest, staring down that tunnel, that goes back to the Eau Claire thing and the original impulse of creating Eau Claire is having a reason to get together with someone else that might plant a seed that you can harvest together, that you can kind of like learn new techniques and get lost in the process with somebody. That to me is the easiest way to break through that. Moment of the purgatory between projects, you know, or between giving birth to something important and like finding a way to start generating again. I do think what you said about process, like once you're in it, I'm good at sort of like not doubting myself and then just enjoying the process. But it is true that this period after you've made something that's important to you, like Big Red Machine is really important to me. Now it's out in the world, which is
0: great. But like I'm not. Sure, exactly what I'm doing right now, you know what I mean, <laughs> musically, yeah. you know it's, I, I've been thinking maybe this is a pandemic thing, but I live in the city I live in Columbus, born and raised, haven't really moved, and over the past like ten months i've I've had this thought of, gosh, I should just like find somewhere in the woods to work to live, and I don't know what that call I'm trying to tease that that thought out now, and it's like, is this just like a pandemic idea? Is this just a uh, it is hard to be isolated in the buzz of a city and so perhaps moving towards isolation geographically would be good creatively and uh you have set up home set up shop set up studio in kind of the woods or in nature in some way i'm wondering two things if that has enhanced or improved your creative process and if it's made it hard for you to kind of want to to leave slash go back on the road and whatever capacity going back on the road looks like
1: yeah, well, the answer is yes to both, for sure. Like I, we live twenty-five minutes from the closest proper town, and then like even to get milk or something is you have to set aside an hour to go do it. It's rare. We're lucky. We live surrounded by farms and forests and mountains. And that being said, like I think one of the downsides is there is actually a lot of tension in the country between different kinds of people. And, you know, like I lived in New York City for 20 years. Like To me, that's more multicultural and it mostly felt good to me. Um, whereas out here, I, I was doxed last year where the I was misidentified as a Antifa leader in Columbus, Ohio, actually. Oh, yes. I remember this. But that being said, for creativity, being able to listen to the birds and the wind and kind of not have distractions and... For me, it's like, cause I grew up in suburban Ohio in the woods and it was a similar thing where like, there was nothing to do except be creative basically, or like play one-on-one with my brother or something, you know? So like, that's my favorite thing to do and there's nothing else to do. So I just do it. <laughs> so you're not gearing up to go on tour with the National or anyone else? Um, we are not gearing up to go on tour Someday we'll gear up again, but it's been interesting. It's been the first long break in years for the band. And um, and it's a similar thing of like, can we climb the mountain of like making a special record? There's whispers of it, but it takes, it'll take that like moment of the lightning coming or something where we're like, oh, there it is, you know? Um, yeah. But we'll see. The, the gears are turning
0: or starting to. Yeah, it's funny. In season one, I had Matt on the show Oh, cool. Maybe I, by the time season three hits, I'll be yeah. some movement on the on the album front. Aaron Desner, thank you for talking to me. The Big Red Machine album is wonderful, and I've been really thankful to witness, both up close and from afar, your collaborative abilities and how you really string the best out of other artists. It's a generosity that I hope to carry forth in my own work, and I hope many people learn from. Thank you so much. Really a pleasure to talk to you. Big Red Machine's latest album, how long do you think it's going to last, is out now. And now for a final thought, which is the final thought of season two, which is a season where I think the show spent a lot of time thinking about and talking about closeness and connection and collaboration and how that has shifted from when we set out to do Object of Sound, it dawns on me then that Object of Sound too is a collaborative effort, not just with the wonderful and brilliant team of producers that you hear me list off at the end of the shows, but more importantly, hopefully, the show has been a collaborative effort between you as a listener and me as someone who is just as excited as you are about music discovery and talking to artists about what moves them, what excites them, what shapes the new world they've lived in, and what might shape the world to come. On a day when I was feeling perhaps especially isolated, I got someone who emailed me and said they were so excited for the episode featuring Lucy Dacus that they invited friends over and they all listened to it together it was a real connecting experience for them after a long time and not seeing each other. Even though at the end of every show I talk about how music is a communal experience, I think I'm learning newer, different, and better ways that that is true every time I hear from someone who's listened to the show. As we kind of turn the lights out on season two, mostly I would like to express gratitude For all of you who have listened, whether or not you were there from the beginning, or if this is your very first episode and you're maybe going to walk backwards and find something else you dig, all of this has meant a lot to me, and I have felt closer to a very touchable world because of people reaching out and saying they listened to the show, that they got something from the show. I can't stress enough that every episode of Objective Sound has been recorded alone, in my house, or... Candidly, for this episode, alone in a closet. And there's something about that that would otherwise be isolating, but it's not because of the generosity of people who listen and who share through their listening what excites them, what they love, what they would love to hear next. And my great hope is that not only is there a next, but there are many, many nexts ahead of this one. Be safe, be well. And who knows, maybe next time we meet each other, the world will be just a little less treacherous you've been listening to object of sound from sonos big thank you to our guest this week aaron Dessler. to hear all the music in the full version of this show listen on sonos radio or find us at mixcloud.com sonos you can find our podcast on apple spotify stitcher or wherever you listen if you like what you hear, go ahead and rate it and share it with your friends. This is a communal thing, music discovery, so tell us what you like about the show and what you're listening to. Let us know your thoughts in an email at objectofsound at sonos.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Sonos Radio and at Object of Sound. This show is produced by Work by Work, Scott Newman, Gemma Rose Brown, Mayari Sharina Ong, Kathleen Ottinger, and by me, Aneef Abdurraqib. The show was mixed by Sam Baer. Extra gratitude to Joe Dawson and Saida Blount at Sonos. I'm always talking about music online, on Instagram, and Twitter at Aneef Muhammad. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for being a part of the show and a part of this season.